0: Instagram.com slash great detectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our t shirts. We have several designs that are available. We have our standard t shirt at t shirt.greatdetectives.net. We have the Johnny Dollar Anniversary uh, t shirt at yours truly.greatdetectives.net. The Joe Friday Never Said Just the Facts Ma'am t shirt at Friday.greatdetectives.net. And then we also have the Famous Investigator t-shirt over at famous.greatdetectives.net. And we have each available in a variety of sizes and colors, so check it out over at the appropriate page. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And this is actually where we finished John Lund's run last time. The original air date is August the 3rd, 1954, and the title is The Hampton Line Matter.
1: Hi, this is
2: Jim Conway. Now,
1: I'm no magician, but I can give you the open sesame to top entertainment. Just remember the magic numbers 780 on your dial every weekday morning at
2: 7. You'll hear the best in music, news, and humor, plus frequent time and temperature reports. Now, there's no hocus-pocus about it, folks. The listening's fine from 7 to 9 on WBBM. We invite you to listen now to yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, John Lund as... Johnny Dollar.
3: Jack Loring, Johnny. You'll have an easy time earning your money on this one. All you have to do is fly up the Sault Ste. Marie and sit around looking important while the Coast Guard does all the work.
2: All the work on what? Why, well, a fellow by the name of Carl Richards set off a bomb on an ore
3: boat, the Hampton Queen. Damages amount to some $56,000. We're covering the Hampton shipping lines on it.
2: Well, if the Coast Guard's handling it, what do you want me there for?
3: Just a formality. Richards disappeared after the explosion, only a quite some time before the Coast Guard picked him up. There won't be anything for
2: you to do. A real snap. Yeah, I've heard that before. But somehow, it never turns out that way. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund and a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Ends. the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum present these weekly adventures of Johnny Dollar because they know that millions of you enjoy Johnny Dollar. That's true of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, too. It's enjoyed by millions, day in and day out. People find that chewing on a smooth, delicious piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum somehow makes time pass more pleasantly. Whether you're working, driving, shopping, or just taking things easy, that good, tasty chewing gives you enjoyment and satisfaction. So always keep a package of Wrigley Spearmint chewing gum handy. And whenever you want a refreshing, delicious treat, chew a stick. You'll like it. You really will. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Worldwide Maritime and Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Hampton Line matter. Expense account item one, $56.30. Airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. My Coast Guard contact was a Commander Winters. After checking in at the Sioux Hotel, I made my way to Coast Guard headquarters to meet him. Glad to have you aboard with us, Mr. Dollar.
4: Another hand is always welcome here.
2: Well, thanks, Commander. But uh, I have no intention of stepping on official toes. Not a chance. We're happy to have any assistance. Have you been
4: briefed on the situation?
2: Well, I understand a Carl Richard seems to be the number one
4: suspect. Well, so far the evidence seems to point that way. Richards operates a supply and trading boat on the lakes. Yesterday, at about 1300, he contacted the Hampton Queen near Lookout Point. Ten minutes after he shoved off, the explosion took place.
2: Anything unusual about the manner of contact?
4: Yes. Those oar boats stop for nothing. So the supplies are usually pulled aboard by line as the two boats proceed abreast. At this time, Richards came up the Jacob's ladder himself. Any particular reason why? Well, Captain Torgerson, the Queen, couldn't give us any. He said Richards spoke to him briefly, went below decks for maybe
2: five minutes came up again and went over the side. And the explosion took place below decks? Yes,
4: in a utility compartment just above the engine room.
2: Did Richards bring any package
4: aboard that might have held explosives? Captain Torgerson didn't notice any. Richards was wearing a greatcoat, pretty bulky, might have had something underneath it. Mm-hmm. Anything else to connect him with the explosion? One of the engine room hands saw him in that utility compartment. Nobody else was noticed down there. Then, of course, there's his disappearance. What's the dope on that, Commander? Well, after the supply boat shoved off McQueen, it made no further contacts. But it didn't pull into the docks until 2300 last night. When it did, Richards was not aboard. Well, who brought the boat in? His daughter, Elsa. She operated the boat with him. She claims she didn't know how her father got out of the boat, where he got out, or where he is right now. And she defies us to bring
2: some kind of charge against her. It's very interesting, Commander. But so far, there's one big hole right in the middle of the picture. Yes, I know. Motive. Is there any? Not that we can find. Richards has operated that supply
4: boat over 20 years. Been an honest, law-abiding citizen with an excellent reputation. Haven't found one person who's got a bad word to say against him. If he did set off that explosion, the big question is
2: why. Yeah. and well, I've got a hunch I'm going to earn my money getting the answer. Richard's supply boat was a powerfully built all-weather water bug, about 65 feet in length, tied up at a private dock not too far from the Coast Guard station. The deck was crowded with miscellaneous crates and cartons that seemed to contain everything from clean laundry, oranges, and sacks of cement to bouquets of fresh flowers. I couldn't see anyone around, so I hopped aboard and headed toward the small cabin up forward. Before I reached it, however, the cabin door opened.
5: Yes? What is it?
2: Are you Miss Richards?
5: That's right. Who are you?
2: My name is Johnny Dollar.
5: I have nothing to say to you, Mr. Dollar.
2: Well, how do you know? I haven't told you what I'm here for yet.
5: It's about my father and the Hampton Queen, isn't it?
2: It's got something to do with that, yes.
5: And I have nothing to say.
2: The truth never hurt an innocent man.
5: You're not interested in the truth. You've got a job to do. Get the man who tried to blow up the Hampton Queen. Now I've got work to do, Mr. Dollar. If you're all through wasting our time, suppose you shove off.
2: Well, that sounds like as good an idea as any. You carry quite a mixed cargo, don't you, Miss Richards?
5: Sailors on oar boats don't have much chance to get ashore. They need a lot of things.
2: Yeah, I suppose. But uh, I was wondering about that crate over there on the starboard side. What about it? What would a sailor on an oar boat want with blasting powder? Expense account item 2, 75 cents. Cab fare to the Shoreview Hotel. I found Captain Torgerson on the hotel veranda... ...looking out over the endless parade of boats plowing their way up and down the lake. I don't
6: know what you're coming around asking me questions for, Mr. Dollar... I don't know where Carl Richards is.
2: Well, the explosion took place on your boat, Captain. Richards was aboard some ten minutes before the blast went off. So? Well, I thought you might be able to give me some idea why he did it. Who said he did? You don't think so? I know he didn't. Why not?
6: That's Robert McNally downbound, signaling for the locks. Eighteen minutes late this trip. If he gets the sabby in a Davis lock instead of the MacArthur, Bob McNally's going to be hopping. Yeah? Why is that? The MacArthur empties in ten minutes. Faster, to getaway. I see. Uh, we were talking about Carl Richards. I've known him 25 years now. Know the man inside and out. He didn't do it.
2: And why did he come aboard the Hampton Queen? I didn't say. Any idea why he went below decks? No. Well, it seems to me you'd be curious.
6: I figure a man's business is his own till he decides to share it with someone else. That's all you've got to say? Well, you might think about a couple of things. Oh, I'd be glad to. The blast went off in an empty storage compartment. Buckled a few plates, broke some oil lines. Gonna tie us up in the dry dock for maybe a week, ten days. Uh-huh. If somebody wanted to do some real damage, the engine room's only a step away... Could have knocked out a whole bank of diesels with the same powder. Something to think about, darling. Yeah.
2: Now, what was the other thing?
6: Crow Richards came to the Sioux 25 years ago. Married, started his supply-boat business, raised a family. In all that time, he never said a bad word again anybody. Never cheated a man out of a penny. Lived a sober, industrious life. What could a man like that set off a charge of powder aboard an
2: O-boat for? I'll trade one of my questions for yours, Captain. What is it? Why did he disappear? I spent the rest of the afternoon talking to neighbors, dockhands, sailors, and canal workers. Everyone agreed with Captain Torgerson's opinion of Carl Richards. And outside of that, I came up with nothing. By the time I got back to Coast Guard headquarters, it was getting dark. Commander Winters was still on duty.
4: Well, how have you been making
2: out, Mr. Dollar? Well, I'm beginning to feel less like an investigator and more like a persecutor with every stop I make, Commander. Yes,
4: I know. Couldn't ask for a finer reputation than Richards has had in the Sioux for the past 25 years. But then our job's not to judge him, just to apprehend him.
2: Yeah. Anything new at this end?
4: Not a thing. Still no trace of him. What's Elsa Richards been doing? She took the supply boat out this afternoon, made a number of routine contacts with our boats, got back to the dock about half an hour ago. Nothing suspicious or untoward about any of them.
2: Well, that's a big help.
4: Uh-huh. Now, come in.
3: Commander from our station at Three Harbors, Mark urgent, sir.
4: Thanks, Jenkins. Well, I'll leave you to your duties, Commander. No, just a minute, Mr. Dollar. have the seaplane stand by for takeoff, Jensen. Aye, aye, sir. Care to fly to Three Harbors with me, Dollar?
2: What's up, Commander.
4: One of the Hampton Boat Guards caught a man trying to sneak aboard. There was a gunfight and the man was killed. I don't suppose they identified him as Carl
2: Richards. They did. Yeah, I'll fly up with you, Commander. Our first stop was the Richards supply boat, where we picked up Elsa. When we got to the Coast Guard landing docks, the four-place seaplane was ready, and we took off for Three Harbors, Minnesota. Elsa didn't speak during the flight and showed no emotional reaction when we put down at the Hampton Line docks and made our way to the guard offices. Commander of Winters? That's right. I'm Bill Fraser, Commander, the guard who shot
4: that suspect earlier this evening. Oh, glad to know you, Mr. Fraser. This is Miss Richards. Mr. Dollar. How are you, Mr.
2: Fraser? Mr. Dollar. Sorry we had to meet under these circumstances, Miss Richards.
5: Where is he, Mr. Fraser?
2: We have a day room back here. In here, Miss Richards.
5: Do you mind if I go in alone first?
2: No, i all right. Thank you. Yeah, it's real rough. I wasn't expecting to run into Richard's daughter. You made a positive identification? Yeah, I got his wallet in the desk over here. Has the usual identification cards in it, driver's license, the rest of it.
4: Uh, what were the circumstances, Mr. Fraser?
2: Oh, I was standing the night watch when I saw this dinghy trying to sneak in under the stern. I hailed it and got a shot in return for my troubles. Fired back, got a lucky hit. Any explosive in the dinghy? Yeah, blasting powder. When I saw that, I thought of Carl Richards. When I got him ashore, we
4: found the proof. Uh huh. Well, that seems to tie this one up, Mr. Donner. We may never know why Richards was doing it, but there's no doubt now that he was.
2: It looks like it, Commander. Does
4: that mean you have some reservations?
2: No, not particularly. I'm just wondering why he was up here in Three Harbors. Well, outside of the Sioux, it's the closest point to the Canadian border. Might have been intending to head there after he got through. Oh, excuse me. Hampton Line. Oh, yes, just a
4: moment, please. It's for you, Commander. Thanks. Commander Winters. This
7: is island station, Commander. Another explosion by the Hampton
4: boat. Where did it happen? Just off the heading point above the island. Okay, send a cutter out. We'll be there as quickly as possible. You're not through earning your money yet, Dollar. More trouble? Yes. One of the Hampton boats. Another explosion below decks.
2: Friends, to feel cool and fresh on a hot summer day, it's important to keep your mouth and throat cool and refreshed. That's one reason it's a good idea to keep refreshing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. You can chew a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum just about any time and any place. The lively, full-bodied flavor cools your mouth, and the pleasant chewing helps to keep your throat moist, gives you long-lasting refreshment. Chew Wrigley Spearmint Gum often, every day, as millions do. By keeping your mouth and throat fresh, it'll help to keep you feeling cooler and more comfortable. And now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. It took us approximately two hours to make it to Parisian Island in the Hampton boat, the James K. She was limping along in about three knots, and we had no trouble putting down alongside and getting aboard. The James K.'s skipper, Captain Hartzell, took us below decks for a look at the damage. Here's where the blast went off. Most of the damage confined between these bulkheads. Some water coming in, but pumps have it under control. We'll make the Sioux without any trouble. Engine room's right over there, is it? That's right. This is just an auxiliary compartment. Well, there's no question
4: about the setup being identical to the Hampton Queen.
2: Yeah. What are these pipes up here, Captain? Auxiliary fuel and water. Most of the effect of the blast seems to be right there. This uh, central pipe looks as though the force of the blast came from inside. Well, you think the explosive was inside that pipe? I'd say it's a good possibility. If Sam Tyler ever comes around, he'll be able to tell us. Who's he? Abel Seaman. He was in here when the blast took place. Your cutter took him to the hospital at the Sioux. Is he badly hurt? Pretty bad. Anything else you want to know, I've got to take over the bridge. We're getting to the locks pretty soon. How about it, Dollar? I can't think of a thing. It was two in the morning when we got back to Sault Ste. Marie. The hospital told us the seaman, Sam Tyler, was still unconscious and in critical condition. I figured I'd done enough to earn my keep for one day, so I went back to the hotel and turned in. Expense account item three, one dollar. Country-style breakfast at the Sioux Hotel Cafe. After my third cup of coffee... I put a call through to Commander Winters at Coast Guard Headquarters.
4: Well, we just got a report that they finished the Richards' inquest at three harbors.
2: Didn't take them long, did it?
4: No. Verdict was justifiable homicide. Miss Richards
2: set the services for this afternoon. We may have to disappoint her. Why is that, Donner? I don't like that rushed inquest, Commander. Suppose we see what an autopsy surgeon has to say. (laughs) I spent the rest of the morning going over the Richard supply boat. I didn't know what I'd hoped to find, so when I finished, I wasn't disappointed. There was nothing aboard that clarified a thing for me. Back at the hotel, I found a message to call Jack Loring in Hartford. I put the call through.
3: Say, what's going on there, John? Are you falling asleep on the job?
2: You wouldn't have thought so at 2 this morning.
3: It's 10 this morning I'm worried about. We've got a report that another of the Hampton boats is damaged.
2: You got it straight, Jack.
3: Well, holy smoke, Johnny. We sent you out there to do a job.
2: Oh, is that so? I thought it was just a formality while the Coast Guard did all the work.
3: Never mind that. Let's get some action. We can't stand any more of these claims piling up. Now, I had the Hampton lines tie up all their ships at the dock. Can't take a chance on any more of these things happening.
2: Well, cancel your order, Jack.
3: What do you mean, cancel it? What difference does it make if those ships are tied up or sailing the lakes?
2: I don't know yet, but it may. And I hope I'm going to find out within 24 hours. Now, will you cancel it?
3: Okay, Johnny. 24 hours. Now, one minute more.
2: Another call to the Sioux Hospital brought the same information as before. Sam Tyler was still unconscious, his condition unchanged. A call to Commander Winters got me equally as far. They had no report on the autopsy and nothing else had turned up. I went down to the dry dock where they had the James K. in for repairs and contacted Captain Hartzell. Oh, Carl Richards hadn't been aboard the James K. for close to three weeks. He made the downbound run to Erie. By the time he came back, loaded up, and headed toward the Sioux again. Yeah, it must have been at least three weeks. You didn't see Elsa Richards either. No, the supply boat usually contacts us at Lookout Point on the downbound run. We hadn't reached there when that thing blew up below decks. Uh huh. You have to turn in a checklist of all men aboard for the Union, don't you, Captain? Yeah, that's right. You mind if I have a copy of it? Oh, no, glad to. Don't see what you're going to get out of it, though. I'm not sure I do, either. I made my way next to the Hampton Queen to get a similar list from Captain Torgerson. He wasn't around, but his first mate supplied me with one. Took about ten minutes to compare them, find what I was looking for, and take the information over to Commander Winters.
4: Is that why you brought me the checkoff sheets, Donna? To look for any similarity in the personnel? That's right, Commander. Well, as far as I can see, there isn't any. Unless you're talking about that business of the cargo supers with their different names.
2: Yeah, but on both boats, the man who signed on is listed as substitute or replacement. Do you think that's more than mere coincidence? Well, if it's coincidence, it's one too many for me. What do you mean? The man who originally signed on and then was replaced on both boats was Bill Fraser.
4: Yes, sir? Get me our station at Three
2: Harbors. Took about a half hour for Three Harbors to come back with the requested information. It supplied us with more information than we have gathered in all the hours since I first hit the Sioux. Well, you were right about the autopsy, Dollar. Carl Richards died from drowning, not from
4: gunshot wounds. They were fired after death.
2: Hmm. What about Elsa?
4: She chartered a private plane right after her autopsy request came in and took off for the Sioux.
2: And Bill Fraser,
4: His replacement on the Hampton Queen was involuntary. He asked for relief of duty to serve as guard when the James K. shoved off. Have they put him under arrest? We were a little late. Yeah? why is that? Seems his testimony for the inquest was taken through deposition. He sailed aboard the Agnes Hampton at 2100 last night.
2: We started to move fast, heading for the Richards supply boat and Elsa Richards. We learned she'd shoved off and headed out into Lake Superior two hours before. Twenty minutes later, we were in the Coast Guard plane heading out after her. Looks like it'll be a close one, Dollar. You better make it, Commander. Well, you figure it'll happen if we don't. She'll make contact, Frazier will get aboard, and they'll be off for Canada. Where'd you get the hunch, Dollar? The booby traps tipped me off, Commander. The way those auxiliary oil pipes exploded from the inside. There had to be some reason for it. Now, I suppose it makes sense. Fraser was bringing in
4: contraband from Canada... ...concealed in those oil lines... ...the booby-trap gimmick was perfect. If anybody got
2: suspicious and tried to investigate... ...the evidence was destroyed. Yeah. And the supply boat made the perfect tie-up. One contact each downbound trip is all they needed. You think Carl was in on it? No, I doubt it. I think he was trying to cover up for his daughter. Probably set a delayed fuse aboard the Queen... ...to destroy the evidence. And then she and Fraser... Yeah nice people. We boarded the Agnes Hampton without sighting Elsa or the supply boat. They told us Frasier was still aboard and two minutes later we were in the companionway leading to the storage compartment beside the engine room. see him, Dollar? No. He's around the corner of the bulkhead. Go
1: on back, above decks. You're not coming here after me.
2: It's no good, Frazier. You better come out.
1: Not a chance.
2: Either you come out
4: or we come in after you. Better make it easy on yourself.
1: <laughs> That's a laugh. If you take one more step, on blowing the ship sky high.
2: The bluff won't work, Fraser. Those charges aren't big enough.
1: Not this time, Dollar. I got a real charge in here now. I figured something like this might happen, and I'm taking no chances.
4: You think he's bluffing?
2: I don't know.
1: If you think I'm kidding, just come on in here and try to dig me. Now, why don't you be smart and go on above decks?
2: What if we do, Fraser? You can't get off the boat with that stuff.
1: Ever hear of a Bangalore torpedo dollar? Yeah. Well, that's what I've got right here. I can attach both ends of this pipe, take the explosive and the stuff, and walk off this boat carrying them in my hands. Anybody tries to stop me, I'll just pull a string.
4: Looks like he's got a stymie.
2: No, maybe not. If this boat's like the James K. and the Queen... He can't reach the auxiliary pipes from where he's standing. In order to get to him, he has to expose himself.
4: It'll only be for a fraction of a second.
2: Well, maybe that'll be long enough. Now you keep talking. I'm going to edge my way up and try to take him.
4: You can't shoot, Dollar. A ricochet could send it off. Yeah, I uh, thought of that.
1: What are you guys chinning about? You got nothing to talk over? There's only one place for you to go, and that's above decks.
4: We still think you might be bluffing, Fraser.
1: We'll go ahead and prove it. Come on in here and see what's gonna happen.
4: Now look, Elsa Richards hasn't even got here with the supply boat yet. She may never get here.
1: Ever think she might be playing it safe, heading for Canada by herself? That's a lousy bluff, Commander. With the stuff we got here, she's not gonna take any run-out powder on me. She knows she will. All right, Fraser, hold it. I warn you, Dollar!
4: You all right, Donna? Yeah, yeah, fine, Commander. Well, that deserves a nicely done commendation if I ever heard one. You got to him just in time.
2: That's the trouble. I didn't. What? He got to the pipe before I reached him. Pretty lucky it turned out to be a dud. Expense account item four, $39.40, hotel bill and miscellaneous. Expense account item five, $61.10, airfare back to Hartford. Expense account total, $158.55. Remarks. As it turned out, Elsa Richards had run out on Fraser. The Canadian authorities picked her up six hours after she landed. She's already waived extradition and is heading toward the Sioux in custody. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, one of the reasons it's a good idea to chew Wrigley's spearmint gum often is that it satisfies you without being rich or filling. There's lots of delicious, long-lasting flavor in a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. Real taste enjoyment. And besides, you get enjoyment from the pleasant chewing. It gives you a nice little lift and helps tide you over till mealtime. Helps keep your mouth moist, your taste fresh, too. So do what millions do. Keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy and enjoy it every day. It tastes so good, lasts so long and gives you real chewing enjoyment. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, stars John Lund in the title role, and was written by Sidney Marshall, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were Jim Nusser as Jack Loring, High Averback as Commander Winters, Lee Patrick as Elsa Richards, Ed Begley as Captain Torgerson, Clayton Post as Captain Hartzell, and Hal March as Bill Fraser. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs> Makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon, inviting you to join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, John Lund again transcribes his expense account as Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. One of the loneliest feelings in the world is to answer that all-important mail call only to find you haven't received a letter from home. The Department of Defense and our USO are asking us to write now to someone we know who may be waiting now to hear his name at mail call. Be right, and write now. This is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome
0: back. Pretty solid case. I don't get why insurance companies try to soft-soap Johnny Dollar about assignments. Because the fact is, Johnny is a freelance insurance investigator who probably charges more than their full-time employees and is also a higher-end investigator. You have to imagine that his rights are pretty high. So if you're calling Johnny in, it's not because you expect the case to go super smoothly and you're 100% confident of that. And Johnny was right to throw it right back at him when the uh, insurance company called him back. I I thought the investigation was really well done, realistic, uh, pretty solid and engaging. I did kind of have mixed feelings on the end because it's essentially a case where Johnny took a risk and things could have or perhaps should have gone tragically wrong but he got really, really lucky and I'm kind of reminded in a way of the end of the carboniferous uh, dolomite matter where he faced a similar decision as to whether to shoot in a dangerous situation. So I, I don't like the idea of the hero just uh, getting very, very lucky all the time as it's a bit of a plot convenience. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we start out on Instagram, and I should say as a preface to this, that I was celebrating the fact that, that for the first time since coming to Spreaker, and actually the first time I've ever checked my stats, I had 1 million uh, downloads in the 30-day period that ended January 17th. So I made an Instagram post celebrating that and thanking uh, listeners for downloading. Brad writes... Uh, People are leaving the drivel of television and returning to old-time radio. Thank you for putting up the shows. I'm binge listening to Dragnet episodes and Johnny Dollar. Thanks a million. Well, thank you so much, Brad. And I appreciate folks listening, and I am looking for even more ways to... Grow the program, increase the amount of old-time radio we get out there. And my goal in terms of, like, growth of the podcast isn't, yeah, we're going to take on Joe Rogan. Uh, Mr. Rogan, of course, was getting about 190 million downloads per month before he went on to Spotify as an exclusive. So we're not aiming for those numbers or any specific numbers. We're aiming to get our podcast to everyone who would like to hear it and would enjoy it. I'm really heartened by all the folks who have started listening, and of course, who have been continuing to listen for so many years. And I appreciate everyone who uh, helps uh, promote the podcast in any way that they do, whether it's liking posts on social media, it's uh, when somebody asks... Hey, what podcast do you listen to? Letting people know that you listen. I've seen so much traffic come from those sort of things, and I really appreciate everyone who's done that and who helps the show. So thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the comment, and I appreciate all of your support. Well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Stephanie, Patreon supporter since March of 2020. Currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Stephanie. And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you want to be sure to never miss an episode, I encourage you to follow the podcast using your favorite podcast software, including TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash Detectives. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, but tune in tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers where...
7: Todd, could you see which way he headed after he left the girl?
8: Well, I'm not sure, but I thought I saw him running across the field toward the hangar. And then after I got Joni into my car, I saw a car drive out from behind the hangar and start off down the road. Any idea what kind of a car it was? Well, it looked like an old jalopy. I was too far away to see what kind. It was going pretty fast, though. One of my deputies found some fresh oil stains over by
7: the hangar, And yeah, We'll go over in a minute and take a look. Todd, I want you to try to remember anything you can about this man. Anything.
8: All well, happened so fast that... There's not much about him I remember. Well, how tall was he? What well, well, I'd say about my height. Can you describe his voice? Well, he never talked out loud. Just whispered. A real hoarse whisper. Anything else? Well, the way he walked right up to the car, like he'd been waiting for us. Just walked up and made his get out. Uh-huh. All right, Todd. I think that'll
7: be all. Ranger, you think I could get back to town soon? I'm kind of worried about Jonah. Mm. It's all right with the sheriff. He can send you back in his car with one of the deputies. You can come along with me, Sheriff. Sure, Jase. We'll drive over to the hangar and have a look at those oil spots first. You know, just let me tell my deputy. Mm. Uh, Charlie! Whoa. you take Todd back to town in my car. I'll be with the ranger. Right. Thank,
8: thank you, Sheriff.
7: That makes... He sure looks like a tough one, Jason. Yeah, but I got a hunch we can narrow it down to one of your local boys. How do you figure that? Well, for one thing, the way he was so particular about keeping his face hidden and whispering to disguise his voice. Well, it does sound like he wanted to make sure he wouldn't be recognized. But it might have been some stranger who just didn't want to take chances on getting his description broadcast. Could be a stranger, except for one thing. The fact that he was well enough acquainted with the town to know where couples might be likely to park after a dance. Yeah, it's more like a little... Unit 10. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead, KTXA. The sheriff's office has received a call that man in stocking mask has just held up a couple at Carroll College football field. man shot, possibly dead.
0: I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.